0: The way I do. Coming to you from the Eon Project studios, overlooking the vast pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. <laughs> Is that Lou Rawls here in the studio? No, that was his uh, long-lost uh, third cousin on his mother's side. Uh, Is he dead? Rue Jaws. Is Lou Rawls dead? I don't think so. Lou Rawls? No, he's still alive. He's got the he's deep still crooning, voice, crooning away. Beautiful voice. Oh, it's amazing. Deep and mellow, and ugh, love it. I like it deep.
1: It's called a PD. A what? A pants dropper. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to another edition of the Eon Project, where we do all sorts of nonsense and hopefully uh, entertain you along the way. Welcome. Welcome all. Welcome all the new listeners out there. Yeah, a lot of new listeners. We've we've, uh, noticed... And, you know, we obsessively check throughout the uh, throughout the week to see who's been listening to the program, and we, we track your IP addresses and where you live. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. But we do try to figure out if we're getting new listeners and where they're located That's right. geographically. It's uh, social validation. You yeah, know? it makes us feel good because, you know, good. some people are listening. Yeah. But before we get into... Anything uh, uh,
0: deep today, which, what is our topic of the day? The topic of the day is uh, UFO encounters relating to the military. Yes, which is a very interesting topic. It uh, is, and, and we- there's a reason for that. Well, yes. What is the reason? <laughs> well, the reason for that is I was exposed to the military at a very early age. Exposed. And uh, growing up, part of it was uh, part of my life, and then I decided to, as I became a grown man, decided to take part in its uh, all of its glory myself. Wonder- wonderful offerings. That's right. But not only that, not only that is why we're talking about this topic today, but because uh, throughout the course of the cons- uh, UFO conspiracy theories, yep. the military always comes to the forefront. Yes, it does. Like it has some sort of... Uh, well,
1: and there's a reason for that too. And obviously they're the first line of defense. Right. And so if there's a perceived threat to the country, then, you know, ostensibly, that's the reason for the military. So they would be the first ones, pardon me, to oh. en- to encounter such a thing. That's right. So, th- so we're going to talk about some... Some stories where UFOs were encountered uh, by by uh, U.S. armed forces specifically, but mm-hmm. also uh, the uh, armed forces of other, other nations. And uh, in some cases where they actually engaged the en- the uh, the enemy, engaged right. the UFOs.
0: Well, they could be the enemy.
1: Could be. We don't know. Uh, and in one case that I'm going to talk about later, actually shot and killed an alien, which oh. a lot of people haven't heard that story. So.
0: Oh, I hadn't heard that. Okay. Do you have any uh, interesting observational points before we begin? Observational points about life? Uh, you know, just uh, life in general. Well, I didn't have any Twitter fights this week. You didn't? No, but I did have
1: somebody call me a baby killer, which I thought was interesting. Well. Just because I had a different opinion than them, I'm a baby killer. Which, which is, I guess, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's th- there's worse things to be called. And the reason I say that, that's a pretty bad thing to call somebody. Yeah. But if you know anything about history, you know that uh, protesters of the Vietnam War called uh, U.S. servicemen and women baby killers. Uh, because they were against the war, and so I'm I'm taking that to be a, a throwback to those days, mm. and uh, I have relatives that served in the Vietnam War uh, honorably, and were called that upon their return to the United States. So I, I count myself a good company to be uh,
0: to be insulted in such a manner. Relating to that, <clears throat> you ever play? Do you play golf? I do not play golf. You don't play golf? No. I don't tend to play golf either. I play once a year in a charity tournament. Oh, and I played this. You're, are week. you the celebrity in the celebrity pro am? I played this week on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, the weather was glorious. Ah. The adult beverages were flowing. With Wait, were there bur- beer girls? The, the beer, there was a shot girl. Beer cart girls. And uh, that was lovely. Mm-hmm. And I'm not very good. I suck. Yes. And I broke a club, and it was terrible. You broke a club on purpose? I did. I've seen you do that, I think. I, my, my medium game is not good. The irons, I can't hit them. I don't know how to do it. You got no game. No game. But I did uh, realize something very important, mm-hmm. a, a, lo- a life lesson that I can pass on to all the listeners out there. What's that? I found the key to not having a hangover after a day or night of drinking. Okay. What is it? You have to drink every day. You have to get drunk every day, oh. and then your body becomes so used to it. <laughs> Public service announcement. <laughs> that you no, no longer have a hangover. And the reason I say that is because normally I work uh, uh, odd hours. I usually work either evenings or overnights, right? Yes. So I'm never, I'm, I'm not usually home. Well, that's dur- the
1: life of a gigolo.
0: That's right. I'm not usually home during the nighttime. Mm-hmm. I don't work regular day hours. However, the past two weeks. Male uh, escort. Not this week included, but the two previous weeks, I've, I, was, um, I was working a day shift schedule. Mm-hmm. So I was home every evening. And I realized I will never be able to work a normal day shift schedule for the rest of my days. Because you like drinking at night. Because all I want to do is come home and crack a cold one. Yeah. And I drank every night. Yeah. And my liver became pickled. I can see how that could be an issue. And I didn't suffer any headaches, no nausea, nothing. Wow. I became used to it. So so the key thing to take away from this program is that you should drink more. You should be drunk constantly, Oh. actually. And, and while you listen to this program especially.
1: Well, wow. It would help. Yeah. So anyway, should we just drive, dive into the topic for we the We can drive in and dive in. And then we have a, a funny thing at, at the halftime show
0: as well. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So the first case I'm going to talk about um, is a uh, UFO military sighting. And, and one thing, a theme that you're going to probably see throughout the course of this is... So, so first of all, I'll give you a little background on my um, alien belief, if you will.
1: Well, we've discussed aliens on this program many times. We have. Uh,
0: but But I think we approach it from a different angle than a lot of... A lot of programs do. Sure. But I, I certainly subscribe to the idea, as crazy as this may sound, that, um, you know, aliens... When I say aliens, I mean uh, people from uh, other planets. Extraterrestrials. That's right. Not a different kind of Not alien. Not
1: just aliens, like, from Mexico. No. no.
0: Uh, so, I think that they've been coming here since the dawn of humankind. Mm-hmm. I think they've been observ- uh, observing us, and we'll, we'll delve more into this here uh, shortly, but I, I equate us to being, like... Ants in an ant farm, mm-hmm. and just uh, going about our daily routines, uh, and n- not necessarily looking up at the sky too often, and and we're under constant observation from people from the heavens.
1: Okay, and so as part of some sort of
0: zoological experimentations, possibly. Okay, but I think that the the sightings and the encounters have have peaked uh, post nuclear age. Of course, uh, I feel like that's when the 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 real uh, you know the most recent and uh, excited. And more uh, prevalent sightings have occurred.
1: Well, that's also the time where we've been, we as human beings have been uh, venturing ever forward and ever higher into the atmosphere and out of the atmosphere. So it stands to reason that if there were things visiting
0: this planet, that we would be encountering them now more than ever. That's right. So the first case I'm going to talk about is the Loring Air Force Base sighting.
1: You ever been on an Air Force Base?
0: I have some. Hot I've, I've on enjoyed air force base. Uh, many an air force base. You know, as as being
1: military members, as, as we talked about many times in this program, we were both in the uh, United States Marine Corps. Um, I can clearly tell you, and I don't know how you feel, that the Air Force has the best
0: looking women of any of the branches. They have the best women. They have the best amenities. Oh yes. Uh they have wall-to-wall carpeting, which in is their rooms, which is why Marines were not allowed on the base. They actually have warm
1: running water. They. <laughs> um, there are some. Don't get me wrong. There's some hot. Hot women in the Marines, in the Navy, and I've seen them, Army, of course, but in the Air
0: Force, they seem to be uh, everywhere. Just a quick side to that. So Mike and I were, were stationed in Okinawa, Japan, yes. and there's an Air Force base there, a large one called uh, Kadena Air Force Base. Yes, And while we were there, uh, the Marines were banned from going to the Air Force Base and going into the enlisted club. Yeah, do you know why? And hanging out with the Air Force enlisted men and women. I can think of a reason why. There are a few reasons why. Yes. But we snuck in there one time. We did. We befriended an airman. Yeah. And uh, he was a cool dude. <laughs> he was a nice guy. And he used his airman privileges. And he, got himself- <laughs> he walked through the front door and then he went and opened the fire exit. The problem is and let us in the back door. The problem is when you get a
1: bunch of young Marines that have been imbibing alcoholic beverages and put them in an environment where there's other the only other servicemen are Air Force people mm. they stick out a lot yeah you,
0: you can't really blend in we didn't get we did I don't think we got kicked out that time though
1: uh, we, we, we got close. some we got some bad looks and then we got out of there before we got in trouble
0: exactly yeah. So anyway, let's go to Loring. Yep. Loring Air Force Base, which is no longer a, a military base. It was decommissioned in 1994 as part of the uh, cut down. Loring military. Air Force Base prom- uh, featured prominently in the War Games movie. That's right. So there it was, it was, it was a bomber squadron there. Yep. Um, it's it's actually located in the northeastern part of Maine, kind of near Caribou. Mm. And uh, that's way up there. I don't know if you've ever been up that part Not of Maine. Not that far, no. It's about eight hours north of where we are right now. Not so that
1: far, I should say. It's but, far. Uh,
0: but believe it or not, they, there was actually uh, a belief that they stored um, nuclear weapons. Uh-huh. There was a nuclear weapons facility there.
1: That's actually going to be a common theme in of today's program.
0: That's right, and it, you know uh, the, the the nuclear weapons were housed. They were they were obscured and camouflaged huts and covered with dirt and things of that sort. So of course it was a, a secretive uh, base up there, and it could have been part of the war plan Crimson, which we talked about a long time oh, ago. Yes, yes. But it was under constant constant watch by the forty second security police squadron. We all know. How uh, dedicated today they are to their profession, security police, of keeping things safe and secure. Sure. But anyway, so on October twenty seventh, nineteen seventy five, around seven forty five p.m., there was a staff sergeant on duty. His name was Danny Lewis. Oh, old Danny. He was performing his obviously his normal duties of keeping watch of everything. Danny duty, keeping a uh, an eyeful watch over his entire area. But his however his attention was diverted because he was you know very observant by the sudden appearance of an unidentified flying craft at an altitude of about three hundred feet. So ah. Not that high off the ground was no. this craft, right. and the craft was approaching from the north with a bright red navigation light and a white strobe light, okay. so it was unidentified. He couldn't figure out what it was. It was just kind of hovering there, and it, it entered the official airspace of, uh, of the Loring Air Force Base, mm-hmm. which, of course... Which is a no-no. It started sending people in, a, in a, uh, supposed to do that. In a tizzy. But anyway, at the same, at the same time, another staff sergeant, his name was James Sampley, oh. and he was from the communications squadron. He was on duty also, but he was at the control tower. Of the base. He got the cushy duty, man. He got to sit in a nice uh, upholstered chair. Believe it or not, Mr. Sampley, staff sergeant type, received a radar return from an unidentified craft, which he calculated being about 10 to 13 miles east of the base. So they watched it, popped up on radar, mm-hmm. which I do find interesting. If it's a UFO and it's such high technology, how is it that, they're, that they uh, emit a radar return? I or don't wh- understand. Or why would they need a strobe light? Well, you know, maybe they're having a dance party up there on a the ship. Hmm. Maybe it's the uh, now. It's if you saw a disco ball in the sky, that would be cool. Oh, i would be the uh, the village people uh, flying tour bus. It could be uh, Marshall
1: Applewhite and his castrated band of renown <laughs> in their uh, hail bop comet UFO. I'm sorry, we where th- that was a past show.
0: Could be, could be. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Mr. Sampley, did? What what, what would it be his first? Uh, well, I can tell you from being in the military. What, you, what do you do the first time you encounter something that you don't know what to do? You call your boss. You call the next guy right above you. That's what you do. Which is what he did via the radio. Uh, he actually communicated with both the military and uh, civilians, mm-hmm. uh, trying to see if he could, you know, get somebody's attention and let them know what the heck was going on. He got no response, however, ah. at that time. Was so it in the
1: middle—it wasn't in the middle of the night either.
0: No, it wasn't. So what the hell are they doing over so there? So he kept, you know, obviously he kept his eye on his little radar screen. There, the craft began circling the base. uh Oh, finally came came within three hundred yards of the highly restricted nuclear storage area. Oh, you so, don't want to go near there? It was. It seemed to be interested in the radioactive materials and the. Uh, You know, the... The the, The the, nuclear materials. The the missiles and things. Yeah. And now it was only about 150 feet off the ground. By this time, Mr. Lewis, Sergeant Lewis, was notifying his command post that the unknown craft had penetrated the perimeter. Ah! You don't want to go into somebody's perimeter. You're in my perimeter. And the the base obviously was put on alert. It was put on a Security 3 alert, which we all know. We do? Security 3 alert is the ultimate of alerts. Number 3. Security officials uh contacted sampling the control tower to verify the sighting, which obviously he did because he had it on radar right here comes mr Here comes Sergeant Eggleston oh he's watching the craft on radar another sergeant there's lots of sergeants there they're watching it like crazy yep, so it begun circling ten miles east northeast of the base and well the, yeah,
1: not if I could interject, but I mean if you
0: if put yourself in this, this
1: position for a moment and you know as being uh, a military police background as we both are that there are certain areas of, of bases that you protect that are considered off-limits areas and deadly force, yeah, deadly force authorized areas. So if anything gets near there, it becomes priority number one. And you don't know if you're under attack by—it could be the Russians. It could be—and this is the middle of uh, the Cold War, right? Exactly, so yeah. So who knows what's going on?
0: Yeah, definitely. So anyway, they uh, they requested air support from Hancock Field, uh, also some places in uh, ho- uh excuse- Hawaii—I almost said Hawaii— Ontario, yeah, which is Hawaii in to Maine
1: would that would be a, a long commute for them to get away. So
0: neither of the bases would oblige their request for some strange reason. I don't know why. Oh, but it was strange; they didn't want to. Conspiracy. The Maine State Police got involved. Uh, what the hell are they going to do? Well, they, they were contacted. because to write them a ticket. Their flight services were contacted contact, t- contact and attempt to identify. Maybe one of their planes uh, flew off course mm-hmm. or something. However, no identif- identification was forthcoming, and the ground uh, the ground search, which was looking around, they came up empty handed. Obviously. So for 40 minutes, the unknown craft circled in the vicinity of the base. Finally, it left, and it headed towards Grand Falls, New Brunswick, which I hear has great seafood, so that's probably where it was going. It was getting some clams. Yep, that's right. And mussels. And that's about 12 miles from Loring, and It disappeared from the radar screen. So there it was gone. That mm-hmm. was it. The base was quiet the rest of the night. Stage 3, obviously the Stage 3 alert was, uh, was kept up, mm-hmm. and uh, the SAC headquarters was, was notified. You know, Strategic Air Command. That's correct. I know that. I watched war games. SAC. Yes, I am the head sack. I am the large sack.
1: That's right. Or the small sack, as it
0: were. So guess what happened the next night? The same thing? It came back. Oh. The craft approached again from the north this time at about 3,000 feet. So it was further up there. Uh, it had some flashing lights, orange, red, white lights, all kinds of different strange colored lights. As I said, it's the Village People's Tour Bus. Sorry. So and one thing and the two main stories that I'm going to talk about is is that you have multiple credible witnesses, right? Well,
1: well, yes, you would like to think that these people who are on watch for a living, that's what they do. They watch for things. That's right. If
0: they're befuddled by something, then you have to think that something's going on. Exactly. So obviously, as military personnel, they're trained observers. Mm-hmm. Um, they report things that look out of the ordinary, um, and so that's a theme too. Is that you know they they saw lights, but they also saw a craft, right. which they which they described as a stretched out football, which basically just kind of hovered in midair. Um, and, and these are Air
1: Force guys. That's f- right.
0: Familiar with seeing all manner of flying craft. They estimated the length to be about seventy-five to eighty feet, solid, mm. with no no visible doors or windows or anything. And no, obviously, no means of p- propulsion that we could that they could tell,
1: like a large suppository.
0: That's right. You propel it up your your thing. Probe when you probe yourself. You ever had a pr- uh, suppository? Uh, no, but
1: I've heard all sorts of wonderful things about them.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. You never had any? Uh, you know, never been bound. I've had up?
1: never occasion
0: to do so. <laughs> okay. Maybe I will. Oh, it'll be something to do. <laughs> So, obviously, the the alerts continued. They still searched the area. They searched high and low uh, on the ground, possibly to see if anything got dropped off. Maybe some uh, aliens were uh, rappelling out of the out of the craft, <laughs> fast roping, mm-hmm. spy rigging. Who knows what they were doing? Those little creepy little aliens.
1: Shifty guys. Then the craft
0: turned off its lights, vanished from view. The radar picked up the uh, unknown craft, heading in the direction of Grand Falls, New Brunswick again. Again, to go get some more seafood. And they sent a second report. So, the, the, the events continued October 27th, 28th. Finally, got the attention of military personnel who were uh, several days later <laughs> were looking to investigate it. The RCMP were involved oh, as well, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, from their side, uh, and of course, it, be- it ended up being unfounded. Mm. Uh, so, for th- through the course of the rest of 1975, the craft appeared uh, sporadically many a time, mm-hmm. uh, with no actual um, evidence of the craft aside from the, you know the visual and the radar. Uh, return, but it seemed to be interested in the nuclear uh, the nuclear area for some reason. Yes. As we talked about earlier. Interesting. So why do you think that? Why do you think aliens would be interested in our nuclear I, uh, weapons? I don't know, but I
1: can tell you that just, just doing the research for this program and, and in past uh, research that I've done for UFOs, it seems to be a common theme that um, facilities that house nuclear weapons tend to be focus points for UFO activity for some reason, whether it's to keep an eye on our nuclear arsenal, make sure that they're not... Uh, we're not using them irresponsibly or perhaps they're uh, fidgeting with them somehow, mm. uh, you know, altering the nuclear weapons to make sure they don't go off or who knows what Who well, knows what they're doing.
0: I think there have been some cases of yes. UFO sightings near missile silos. That's correct. Where the missiles have activated and deactivated Yep, almost seemingly on their own. I don't think
1: we have any of those stories today, but yes, you are correct. That does happen. Oh. Well, so I'm going to move on. Okay. To, a, to another around that same time frame. Another case, but this one is a little bit more um, uh, tactile, if you will. Mm. Something actually happened in this one, rather than just seeing things. This is an account that we should find close to home, as it involves military police officers, of which we were both uh, members of, as it were. Uh, It's a story that actually came out several years after the incident. involves a few people who have come forward to give their accounts of what happened. That's usually the case, and as you you could probably tell, uh, when something happens... Uh, when normal people see a UFO or have some sort of encounter, they are typically they are typically uh, met with uh, officials, whether gov- gov- military or government officials, that tell them to basically be quiet about it. Mm. Well, definitely in the military, if you see something that you're not supposed to see or th- or that's supposed to be kept secret, you generally do keep it a secret because that's your job.
0: Well, I can I can tell you this just quickly. Yeah. So I, I personally have never seen anything that could be described as a a UFO as we would know them, right? Yeah. However, it's funny. Like you mentioned that. Like most people, keep, a lot of people will keep this stuff a secret because they don't want to be looked at like they're crazy. Right. So just in passing, a few years ago, um, some a uh, a uh, uh, a lovely older couple that I'm intimately familiar with. You're intimately not involved not on that level, Older couple, but very closely. Is there video? Closely um, tied to, if oh. if you will, and they're credible. Tied to. Wow, this is going a great way. <laughs> they're they're uh, credible, uh, very uh, earthly based people. Earthly based. <laughs> They don't, they're, they're not, not aliens. <laughs> they're not, they don't drink. They don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, just a topic of quick conversation. I mentioned a UFO uh, situation. and We were talking about that. And it came up and they said, we once saw a UFO, which I was taken aback by because, as I said, they were very grounded in reality. Right. And the individual I was talking to, he, he can be very sarcastic. So I thought he was just busting my chops. Yep. Sure enough, this is what they had to say. They were out one night. It was uh, like dusk time. It was dusky. Uh, maybe 20 years ago. And they were uh, driving in their vehicle in the, uh, the mountainous regions of, uh, of uh, uh, central Massachusetts. Oh. And they stopped at a stop sign or a red light. I forget exactly which. And they were on their way to play cards with their friends. Mm-hmm. And above the tree line... Was it cribbage? 150 200 feet maybe like uh, uh, above, just barely just above the trees I don't know exactly the heights but low enough to where they could see yep. a silvery craft Ooh. hovering above the tree line. that's all it could be described as and they said they sat there and watched it silently mm-hmm. didn't understand what they were seeing and then suddenly it accelerated quickly and took off into the into the stratosphere yeah never to be seen again. They never spoke of it to one another ever. <laughs> they went and played cards never talked to anybody never, i never. was the first one that they ever mentioned it to really yes
1: wow why, why do you think that is why do you think that people are so uh hesitant at, at, to come forward and
0: you know you see what you see well how do you wrap your brain around that though
1: but but i mean and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about my ufo experience uh, later in the show because i actually had a, kind of a similar experience to mm. that but i have no problem telling people but i also have no concern about people thinking i'm crazy because everybody knows that anyway sure but no, I—that's a when you when you get credible witnesses that tell you that it obviously holds more weight, right? So you, so you tend to believe them. So there's definitely something going on out there, guys. Something's going on. Oh, anyway, yeah. so we're gonna go back to uh, 1978, the great 1978. Oh. Disco was still a thing. Oh yeah, right. Johnny uh, Danny Danny Terrio, Danny Terrio, and uh, uh, John Travolta was in his heyday then. Uh, what was his name? Vinnie Barbarino. Ooh. Was that the welcome back Welcome back, Carter. <laughs> Yo, Mister Cartier. Yeah. A Vinny oh, my God. I thought he was here with me. Sounded just like him. Anyway, 1978, Fort Dix, which is the coolest Ooh. fort name ever, except it's spelled D-I-X. Fort Dix and McGuire Air Base in New Jersey, they shared a fence line. It's important for this story to know that. Mm. So there's a fort, which I believe is an army base, and then there's a, an Air Force base, and they they share a common fence line. Mm-hmm. Again, this story involves military police officers. So several years after this incident occurred, they came. a couple people came forward. I'm going to talk about what they found, what they said. January 18th, 1978, uh, that's the day, <laughs> uh, over the previous few days, there had been a series of unexplained aerial phenomenon seen over the base, so tensions were running high. It sounded very similar to what the story you said, uh, multiple nights in a row, seeing strange lights, strange craft over the base, so, but there, there had been nothing uh, beyond that, uh, just just some sightings over the previous few days. An unnamed military police officer was out on patrol when he stated he saw a low-flying object pass right over his patrol vehicle. He gave chase to the object, and a short time later, he encountered a short, humanoid gray figure standing in the road right in front of his vehicle. What would you do?
0: Was it Michael Jackson? No. Oh.
1: The MP exited his vehicle and drew his weapon, which I would have done, personally, because you don't know what the hell that is. He drew his weapon, and he ordered the, the creature to get on the ground. Mm. The creature did not comply, so the MP shot at it. And he <laughs> which, missed, you're pro- right? which you're probably not supposed to do. But he shot at it, and he was sure that he hit it at least once. He was he's carrying a forty a Colt forty five. Oh the time. well,
0: if it's in a restricted area, there's signs posted. That's Ad correct. No, is no, authorized. You're,
1: no, you're right about that. Yep. So he shot at it. He was sure he hit it at least once. The creature scaled a nearby fence and headed into nearby uh, McGuire Air Base. As I said before, they share that that fence line. Uh-oh. At that point, the MP lost sight of it. So he's like, "Okay, I just shot this thing. I don't know what the hell's going on. Let me call my boss."
0: Sure, it wasn't a drunken marine
1: trying to find <laughs> the enlisted base. It could have been. So he radioed into the ba- to his control headquarters there and told them what happened, and they alerted security police at the airbase, who responded to the area. Oh, reportedly, they found a creature dead at the end of a nearby runway.
0: Oh, so he did hit it.
1: He did hit it. Good shot, right? Didn't yeah. It? Fundamentals of marksmanship never change. He must man. have been
0: a pistol expert. They
1: never change. So, responding to the scene was an Air Force sergeant by the name of Jeff Morse, which may be a uh, a pseudonym because he didn't want to be identified. He quickly cordoned off the area, as MPs are instructed to do when they come upon a dead body. When you find a dead body, what are you supposed to do well, you're, you, if you're a police
0: officer? Well, you gotta, you got to tape it off, preserve the area. Preserve the area, make sure that nobody
1: contaminates the scene, because you, right. you don't really know what happened. Shortly thereafter, an Air Force intelligent off, intelligence officer, he may have been intelligent, but he was an intelligence officer, by the name of George Flyer, which is a really cool name if you're in the Air Force. Oh, man. Uh, arrived on the scene. Right about that same time as Mr. Flyer got there, a group of unknown military officers wearing blue berets arrived and immediately took control of the scene, backing everybody away.
0: Never trust a guy in a blue beret. Never
1: know what the blue berets are gonna be doing. I, I, knowing what I know about the military, I don't know blue berets. Well, the security police, I think, wear blue berets, don't dark, they? Uh, dark blue, though. Yeah, these were like lighter blue berets. Like NATO color. Well, yeah, I mean that's what I'm getting from it. This, I think, this was before the NATO police thingy was in was in But mm. anyway. So these, these unknown military guys show up, and they back everybody away, and they assert authority over the U.N., scene. I meant to
0: say. U.N. blue. What did you say? You I said say? NATO.
1: I, no, you're right. It's U.N. Um, as a result, Mr. Flyer only got a quick look at the body, but he did recall, quote, Under the glare of truck headlights, the skin of the unclad, hairless body was wet, shiny, and snake-like. It was about four feet in height with a large head. Slender torso, thin arms and legs, and a grayish brown coloration.
0: What does that sound like to you? It sounds like when they have the the special at the gentleman's club, mm-hmm. and the little um, the short lady comes out and on, does a special dance t- on Tuesday afternoons. That's right. Her name no. is uh, Guinevere.
1: So that sounds just like every other alien sighting you've ever heard of, right? But this is this is supposedly a firsthand account from somebody who saw a dead one because the MP had shot it. This is also a quote from Mister Flyer. The blue berets kept spraying the body with liquid from a portable tank probably in an effort to preserve it, and then placed it into a wooden platform and a wooden frame was quickly built around it. The entire assembly then went into a large metal container, which was loaded onto a C-141 cargo plane that had landed on the site. Uh, That's the end of his quotes. Uh, No one's sure quite what happened to the body after that, but some think it was flown to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where they supposedly took the Roswell aliens that supposedly landed in 1947. Uh, Flyer and Morse, the two guys that I discussed earlier, were interrogated by intelligence officers and were warned not to reveal anything about their encounters that night. They even had to sign documentation that, that, uh, pledged that they wouldn't say anything. Uh, it's important to note, as we had mentioned earlier, that nuclear weapons were housed at McGuire Air Force Base. So was this UFO activity related to those weapons as we alluded to earlier? Mm. Um, or what what the hell was going on there?
0: Why was there an alien standing in the middle of the road? Maybe he maybe on the uh, the long trek, the the little alien had to use the facilities. And he got
1: shot for it, man. <clears throat> he so was just trying to find a porta potty. UFO
0: dropped him off. Yep. He was doing his little uh, alien wee-wee in the woods. Yep. And the UFO got spooked and took off.
1: Well, or, yeah. And
0: left him there all to fend for
1: himself. Oh, you know what? Maybe, you know, like when you're when you're a teenager and your friends play jokes on you and they lock you out of the car and then they move it forward every time you yes. try to get in. Maybe they were doing that. That's what happened. And then the dude got shot. That's too bad. That's too bad. So anyway, so that's a supposed encounter at Fort Dix, McGuire Air Force Base, 1978. Where's he buried? Nobody knows. Do they have a, f- a full-on uh, military funeral for Nope. Oh. So who are these, uh, who are the Blue Berets? What were they doing? I can tell you that, you know, anytime something happens in the military... As you said before, you know you call your boss, things get elevated, and then pretty soon somebody shows up and tells you what to do. That's basically and what happens. At some point,
0: somebody calls you stupid, yep. and you get yelled at.
1: And you get yelled at for, why did you do this? That's why right. didn't you do that? It happens all the time. And then, so, and then one of your officers gets a medal for something <laughs> that you did. But that's true. That's basically life in general in the military. So, Anyway, as, as we alluded to before, when, when things happen in the military uh, and you witness them, Somebody tells you not to say anything. You don't say anything. You're 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 obligated by law not to say anything in many cases mm. and you can even be prosecuted for revealing secrets obviously. Sure. So that's always a a concern for somebody.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Are we at the halfway point of the show now? Yeah,
0: we are. We're just about at 30 minutes, man. Look at that. Right on time, dude. We're on it. We're on it. We're on it like uh, nobody's business. So why don't you explain the, the thing that we're supposed
1: to be doing because I don't even know.
0: I'm not really sure how to explain this, to be quite honest. So it's a uh, it's another little bit that we decided to come up with. Okay. And I think the way it could be best described, and, and, and as, as fans of the show, you all know that we've had uh, sponsors on the program. Yep. We like to, we're, we're, we're musical guys here. We like to come up with little jingles and things. Mm-hmm. So today is a, is, is a competition or a uh, <laughs> contest, if you will, between Mike and myself where we've each prepared uh, random items or random things that it, we're going to tell the other person. And that person has to create a catchy one or two line jingle. Uh, on the fly on the fly right off the bat do the top what, of their heads we don't
1: know what the topics are we don't know what the items are so we're gonna have to come up this is like a big problem
0: this might be bad
1: it may be terrible we may be editing this out of the show
0: possibly so let's go alright I'll go first
1: I'll, I'll tell you what so you're the, gonna tell me what, and I have to come up with something funny that's right alright
0: pantyhose
1: pantyhose okay I pull on a pantyhose, you'll be happy. Everybody else will be so sad. No one can see your legs anymore. They are all tan and
0: clad. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. Hey, you like that? Yeah. All right. I don't know. On that's that's, uh, that's tough. tough to, uh, to follow. <laughs> okay. Let's see. All right. So you ready? Frozen dog treats. Hmm. Okay. You have a dog. His name is Rex. He comes from Texas. It gets real hot down there, near the Mexico border. So what do you do? You buy some frozen dog treats. Treats, treats. A dog treat, a dog treat. <laughs> treat treat. You rhyme treat with treat. That's no no. That's not bad.
1: 15 <laughs> better.
0: <laughs> Alright, here's the next one. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Jerky.
1: <laughs> Jerky.
0: Okay. Try a jerky,
1: it's rough and hard. It's not turkey, you will be sorry. If you don't try a jerky, you'll be real hungry. And you'll probably die.
0: (laughs) Oh oh my god. Who's going to buy jerky? If you eat it, you're going to die. No, if you don't eat it, you'll die. Oh, if you don't eat it, you're going to die. Yeah, you're going to die. Oh, alright, that was confusing. Try the jerky. Okay, what do you got for me? Adult diapers. Ooh. Okay, here we go. Adult diapers. When you're walking down the street, you feel something hit your feet. <laughs> you might need something to catch your pee. Adult diapers, adult diapers. <laughs> that was good.
1: <laughs> I like that one. Uh, all right. That was pleasant. <laughs> all right. <clears throat>
0: you ready? Yep. Clamps. Clamps? Yeah. Like cl- like clamps? Just clamps in general. Oh. Okay,
1: hold on. Try our clamps, you won't be sorry. You put them on your nipples, you cry real loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it. Oh my god. (laughs) Alright. That was weak, I'm sorry. Alright, alright. Okay, ready? Yep.
0: Hemorrhoid cream. Oh, how did I know you were going to say that? I don't know. You feel the burning down in your regions. You don't know what it is. You go to the doc and he finds a crack in your butt. (laughs) You get some cream, hemorrhoid cream, hemorrhoid cream, tonight. Hemorrhoid
1: <laughs> 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 cream tonight. Fabulous.
0: Oh, God. All right. Uh, this you is harder one... than I thought. Yeah, you got one more? I have one more. I got one more. Okay. Syrup.
1: Syrup. Mmm. Try our syrup, put them on your pancakes. Try our syrup, you won't be sorry. Try our pancakes, pour it in your mouth. Pour it on your body and have sex.
0: Sold. (laughs) Sold. What's the name of that syrup? I'm going to get some. (laughs) Uh, All right. Last one. Bras. Oh. Mm. La, 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 la. Bra. La, la. (laughs) Bra. Wear a bra. If you're a man, wear a bra. If you're a woman, if you've got boobs. La, la, la. Bra.
1: (laughs) (laughs) La, 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 bra. That's, you know what? That's That's a name for a product, the la, 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 bra. There you go. Nice.
0: Ah, uh, all right. Well, that was
1: a little bit of silliness. Hopefully, you didn't you didn't tune out.
0: I'll have that. to put some uh, some good music. Some to go music that. to that, yeah. All right, that was fun. All right, let's let's jump back right right back into the uh, the topic at hand. So, the the next case I'm going to discuss, um, and, and before I get, actually get into that, I want to talk a little bit about something that's that's prevalent in the UFO community, and that is, and you see it on TV shows, they talk about it. Uh, you, you read books and they talk about it, and that is the idea. I might have mentioned this before, but the idea that. Um, we're, we're gathering crashed crafts from aliens, right? And then somehow taking that and reverse or back engineering the technology, right to give us some uh, interesting things that we have and know and love today. Yes. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that, okay? For two different reasons. One being that, you know, you have these, this, this advanced uh, being, organic being that can traverse the great expanses of time and space. Mm-hmm. Come here, From wherever, uh, and you know, observe us relatively um, unnoticed for the most part, but yet they crash. They crash sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I mean, their technology is so advanced that I don't. I feel like they wouldn't crash ever. Well, you
1: don't know that. Does what if there's a factory recall on their craft and they weren't aware of it? Oh, possible. And their warranty doesn't cover it. Yeah. They don't fix it before they head out on their trip. They don't have AAA.
0: And then the thing crashes. No, what are you going to do? No, I guess that's true. I never looked at it from that perspective. You don't. You don't know. You However, know I mean? the, the the idea that we could re- reverse engineer such great technology, to me, I equate it to a uh, you know a, a primate or a, you know an orangutan or a baboon of some kind mm-hmm. coming across a crashed stealth bomber and attempting to back engineer the technology. I, I, well, I don't think that we're that we're advanced enough to be able to do that.
1: Well, the the the, the flip side of that is perhaps. If there are indeed aliens and they are they are having crashed craft, perhaps they are the there are surviving aliens in the crashed craft that are sharing information with our government oh. in order to work the stuff that they had,
0: like via alien uh, social media kind of thing.
1: No, like uh, like, and we're not gonna talk about it today. But there's a uh, if you want to do some advanced research on it, there's a thing called the there's a. Uh, event called the dulce war or the dulce base mm. which is supposedly a base i believe it's in nevada or arizona where supposedly there are aliens who have landed on our planet whether they crashed or landed on purpose who are working with scientists from our country to oh. to create things and so that that may be a way how their technology gets do you think
0: they communicate telepathically or uh do they have google they... google translate oh okay so they just type it in their little uh, yeah, alien, they, they smartphone. brought alien smartphones oh. with them There you go. Interesting.
1: I wonder if they have angry birds. Maybe they have angry humans.
0: Oh, possibly. You know, who knows? So the next case I'm going to get into is sometimes referred to as um, Britain's Roswell. Ah. And uh, and the reason I think it's called that is because it's a a momentous red letter uh, occasion as far as alien encounters is concerned uh, in the UK. However, I don't think it's even... Remotely uh, similar to Roswell in the sense that Roswell was basically like we just talked about a crashed supposed crashed uh, object that we recovered and we were trying to figure out. It had bodies in it. Had some dead bodies supposedly, but this this is extraordinary. This is a case of uh, multiple multiple credible witnesses across the entire area, the base, who ha- had a close encounter with a, a moving craft mm-hmm. on several occasions. Uh, it's well documented, uh, and we're going to talk more specifically about it here in a minute. And this is the Rendlesham Forest incident, Ooh. or the Bentwaters case, which Bentwaters, is, which you'll uh, you'll see why it's called that.
1: The Pirates of Bentwater.
0: But to me, it's one of the most intriguing UFO encounters of all time. And of course, that's just my opinion. Yes, I have to I have to preface that by saying that uh, the nature of the encounter, like I said, is is very is several credible witnesses. Uh, There's three possible explanations the way that I look at it. It's a real UFO UFO encounter, excuse me, a hoax of some kind, Mm -hmm. or a mass hallucination. (laughs) Any one of those three would warrant an investigation by officials, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, as you're going to see, they never investigated it. Mm. So here we go again. Or perhaps they did, and we just (laughs) don't know. Maybe. So it was a, uh, basically, there was a a nuclear weapons facility. And this is in the UK, if I didn't specify that already. You did say that, yeah. So... If it was a nuclear weapons facility, that alone would warrant some sort of investigation by the British and American governments. But supposedly it never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's one of the most, as I stated, significant military UFO incidents. uh, And it happened in Rendlesham Forest in Suffolk, England. Suffolk. We have people in England listening now. Maybe there's somebody there in Rendlesham Forest as we speak. In Suffolk. It happened on three consecutive nights in December of 1980. Oh. which was a good year. There was a lot of things happening around there. 1980? Yeah. So Rendlesham is a vast pine forest east of Ipswich, that's near Oxford Ness. If you're familiar with that area, I am not. Oh, so Gordon Levitt, who was a civilian, he lived in, a, in an isolated house on the edge of the forest in Sudburyland.
1: Isn't that the guy who played uh, Gordon Levitt? Wasn't Joseph he... Gordon Levitt? you Oh, thinking? that's yeah. I was gonna say he's in the, one of the Batman movies. He he becomes Nightwing.
0: Wasn't actually. he in that movie that show, Th- Third Rock from the Sun? No, that was David French. No, 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 the little kid in the show. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Could have been. Why does he have three names? Is he an assassin or a serial killer? Both. So on December 26, 1980, uh, Mr. Levitt had been out in the garden with his dog. Uh, uh, what did I say the dog's name was? Uh, Billy. Rexus. Oh. Uh, when he suddenly looked up and spotted a peculiar object flying towards them. And what did he say? Oi, what's that I say? I wonder what that could be. The UFO looked like an upturned mushroom with a greenish white glow. Had he been consuming mushrooms? No, but what does that sound like, an upturned mushroom? Something we <laughs> talked about. On a previous show, many, many moons ago. Uh, I don't know. What does it sound like? The Nazi bell. Oh, the bell, yeah. You're going to hear the, de- the descriptions uh, are, are close to that oh. as we as we move forward. So the craft uh, silently passed him. Uh, it carried on towards the twin NATO bases at RAF Woodbridge and RAF Bentwaters, which is where that gets Bent it from. Bentwater. <coughs> Excuse me. I had something in my throat. What was that? A uh, mushroom. So the next morning, Levitt's dog became ill, Oh, the poor guy, and he was cowering in his kennel and he was afraid to come out and his condition worsened and he died a few days later. Ah. So possibly exposure to the radiation from the uh, from the craft that came down. What happened to Gordon? Uh, Gordon lived to be a ripe old age of 107. Did he really? And uh, Good for him. Yeah. So by the east gate of uh, RAF Woodbridge that night, uh, U.S. Security uh, Patrolman John Burrows and Bud Parker, two, uh, two security policemen, Bud. were uh, on the post there. And they spotted the the strange craft at first and they thought it may be a plane ready to crash because they saw some lights and it was kind of moving and, you know, hovering and moving in strange directions. However, they soon realized that it was trying to land in the woods. It was kind of hovering around and was attempting to land in the woods. And it was a pulsating mass of colored lights described as looking like a Christmas tree sort of. Pulsating. So as we said, the village people are back again. Back again. And as Burroughs would do, quickly phone the base. He's trying to—he's to, trying to pass the buck. He's like,
1: "That's not my problem." Yeah, hey, yeah, hey. I gotta pass this up the chain of command. This
0: is above my pay grade. It is. So it was like two in the morning. Supposedly they weren't supposed to be any aircraft in the area, but within minutes, security patrol sergeant Jim Peniston—or Peniston, however you <laughs> want to say it—what <laughs> an unfortunate name. <laughs> he was on his way in his, his jeep, uh, and he was driven by a guy named Herman Kavasik. Cool names, Herman. Yeah, bad that name. Once they arrived, they the two of them, they saw this strange craft, which was hovering around, lights flickering through the trees. Mr. Peniston took command, because he's the sergeant. That's what he does. Also known as Dick. Dick Peniston? Dickton. Try, he tried to persuade Burroughs and Parker that a plane had crashed and was blazing out of control, but the two patrolmen knew that that wasn't the case, Uh-oh. because they saw it. Uh, and they had a good good observation of it so they knew it wasn't a plane okay so bud old bud stayed at the gate there mm-hmm. he he didn't want to go in he didn't want to stay at I the don't game. blame him he was, he was he was like the communication link he, he was uh he was about to
1: EAS soon he was going to get out that's right he didn't, he didn't any, want his name on any He didn't want any
0: trouble no legal holds no nope. <laughs> so they were, apparently there was a uh like strange electrical field almost like a like a static charge in the air and it was interfering with all the radio uh, communications that were trying to that were trying to take place mm-hmm. um so uh, uh, Peniston and Burroughs, they basically continued deeper into the forest. They were going further in. They had to investigate it, right? I mean, to find out what the hell that is. You can't just not investigate. It's no. part of your job to go check it out. Yep. So all of a sudden they heard like crackling, like a thunderstorm. Uh, the men's hair on their on their bodies began to stand up, like uh, you know, like when you get a static charge. They or They became when you're sexually aroused. That's right. So Peniston is quoted as saying, "It was definitely not." In the Jane's Book of World Aircraft. Mm. So if you don't know think about Jane's Book of World Aircraft... Yeah, the Jane's Books, man. Yeah, they got all kinds of stuff in there. Yep. Everything you could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. So Penniston described it as a conical object about the size of a small car floating on beams of light. Conical, not comical. And he, he, he wasn't very far off the ground. Not not far at all. And it was just floating there. Uh. It had a strange and misty aura, and on its side were black marks that could have been writing. So he got so close...
1: He could see the writing, yeah. ...that he could
0: see uh, the, the, the writing on it. And I, I believe at one point <clears throat> he actually touched the craft. Oh. Uh, and, he, and he felt some sort of uh, psych, psychokinetic connection. Well, similar to Roswell,
1: where supposedly the Roswell craft that crashed ha- also had writing on it. Some sort of strange uh, writing. It looked like hieroglyphics.
0: That's right. So John Burroughs insisted... I do not know whether this was some kind of machine under intelligent control or a fantastic natural phenomenon. Some kind of r- weird energy what or rare a, energy. What kind of a natural phenomenon looks like that? Well, you never know. If you're uh, high on mushrooms. That's true. You ne- you never know what's going to happen. Pe- peyote. So uh, obviously the next day they went out uh, looking in the forest a little bit closer during the daylight hour so they could kind of see a little bit better. And they did see signs of UFO's presence, and they were found in the in the forest. So many trees had their tops broken off. Mm. There were holes in the frozen soil in a triangular formation. Uh, These are all things we would call clues. That's right. Uh, an A-10, Thunderbolt, or Warthog, however you want to call it. Yes. It uh, flew over the site at dawn and picked up an infrared radiation pouring from the forest. Those things are cool. That's right. So apparently that night, later on that night, there was an officer's party at the RAF Bentwaters. Of course you there know those was. Those officers are rip-roaring events that, have have, events that they would love to have events. Yep. Not long into this event, uh, Lieutenant Bruce England, not from England. What a, what a name. But England. <laughs> he entered the room and told the base commander, tell Conrad that it was back. So they kind of knew about it. I say it's back. That's right. So an important figure coming up in this investigation is Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt. Holt. He was notified. He was the deputy base, uh, base commander at the time. Mm-hmm. And he uh, basically gathered a group of men uh, and, and started their di- disaster preparedness uh, operations plan. Okay. And he was going to go out there. He was going to investigate. It. He brought his dictaphone with him.
1: What the hell is a dictaphone? Ah, eh, you know, it's like a
0: cocktaphone, except well, like a little you, bit smaller. You go, you go pee with it. That's right. But anyway, his his dictaphone recordings are still available. You can go out there. You can find them. You can listen to them. Yes. So he's he's recording what's happening in real time. It's really quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, a security cordon was set up around the perimeter, and uh, apparently an hour earlier the security patrol had reported the the strange lights, which is what sent this all the base into a, an uproar again. Into a tizzy. That's right. Uh, the, the and uh, the team's radio communication both to the base and to each other were showing static interference as we stated earlier so they were having difficulty communicating out of the forest and to the uh you know to the control towers and right. things of that sort that's right so this this went on, and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Holt actually got up close to the uh, and saw the the craft himself, along with many 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 other people. I don't want to go too far into the weeds on this, right? But you get the point. But many people saw it. That's the important
1: thing. That's by right. The way.
0: Many people, many credible military folks saw this. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, the the official story is that nothing actually happened out there. <laughs> that it was a mass hallucination or a hoax, or like I said earlier, which to me, why would why would that? Why would it be a hoax? But Why? here's the problem: if your if your base commander or deputy base commander right. is is involved in this, yes. would you relieve him of command, of or course. would you let him stay command of a, of a nuclear base? No, no. If if you think it's either a hallucination or a hoax, either of those possibilities, he needs to be removed immediately. That's right. And all all of them do. Yeah. But uh, apparently, no, he was allowed to remain in command, <laughs> and he he talks about this to this day, and there's a few other people that still talk about this hmm. uh, this incident. So they never saw any uh, actual. Uh, body. People on people the ground, or anything, right? uh, but they were they were described as seeing some windows with maybe some people in them or some sort of objects or beings in the craft. Wow. Uh, so this this happened and it was very interesting. Hmm. Uh, yes. Wow. And it was like I said, it was a nuclear facility.
1: So you wonder how is there a difference in the United States military and the United Kingdom's military where information is allowed to leak out? Because there seems to be a lot of people who are coming forward about that one, right? In, in contrast to. Uh,
0: Past incidents in the United States. I mean, the thing is, is that so many people were involved in it, right? You are not going to keep everybody quiet, right? You can't, can't possibly. I know somebody always wants to tell a story.
1: So, there, as you said, there were nuclear weapons there as well. That's correct. So that's the common theme and the common thread through all of our stories today. That's
0: exactly right.
1: Wow. Well, these are these are we we've talked about some incidents that have happened in the past, uh, probably you know within the last thirty years or so. But we just learned recently, this is breaking news. Well, not breaking, but it's it, fairly recently. Mm. Uh, some information has come out about, about recent encounters between UFOs and the military. And this is actually some really interesting stuff.
0: Right. And people are, beco- are becoming a lot more forthcoming. And what yeah. I've noticed, too, is that, you know, the, when these stories would come out years ago, they would just be... Um, kind of like a parody of an actual story. Like, people, right. the newscasters would just make fun of them, yep. and now people are taking it a lot more serious, I think. Well, and after we get done
1: with this story, you, you're probably going to take it pretty seriously, too. So we're learning more and more about these mysterious contacts with anomalous aircraft, and as we said, there's, there's very compelling evidence of a series of encounters that took place several years ago that are just now becoming public. A leaked Pentagon report has revealed new details about the UFO encounter that shocked U.S. military fighter pilots above the Pacific Ocean. These incidents took place over about a two-week period in 2004, so fairly recently, and were recalled in a report in 2009. So supposedly this happened in 2004. We're just learning about the details now because the report has been leaked. Um, The report that was leaked to the press did not bear any uh, date or agency logo, but several officials, unnamed officials, Hmm. have confirmed that it was written as part of a Pentagon program with input from multiple agencies. So you're thinking it's, you know, whether it's Department of Defense or, you know, whatever the case may be. This incident, These incidents, I should say, unfolded as the Nimitz Carrier Group was conducting training exercises off the coast of Southern California and Mexico ahead of a deployment to the Arabian Sea. Beginning around November 10th, aha, the USS Princeton, a Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser, made multiple radar contacts with what the report calls an anomalous aerial vehicle, or AAV, which basically means UFO. Sure. Anomalous aerial
0: vehicle. That's just another cool way to say it. They just don't
1: want to say Right, they don't want to call it a UFO. The Senior Chief Fire Controlman on the Princeton, which was equipped with an ultra-advanced multifunctional phased array radar, reported that the AAV, which is, again, interchangeable with UFO, appeared from above 60,000 feet, the radar scanned ceiling, and descended very rapidly to about 50 feet above the surface of the ocean. So from 60,000 feet to 50 feet. That's a long way. Mm. They would, The, the, the uh, craft would hover for a short time and then depart at mm. high velocities and turn rates demonstrating advanced capabilities. This is from the person who saw it on radar.
0: So if there were any humans in there, the G-forces they would have w- been tremendous. It would have killed
1: them. Right. right. So the senior chief, who had 17 years of experience in fire control on cruisers, said he never obtained an accurate track of the AAV because they exhibited speeds consistent with that of a ballistic missile. But the radar was set to, in- to, set to air intercept mode rather than ballistic missile tracking. So he didn't have the right setting on it to track speeds like that. So if he was tracking an aircraft... Uh, he would have a different setting on his control. But than,
0: it's, it seemed to be intelligently controlled, though, not like just a missile randomly flying through correct. the air. That's yeah.
1: correct, right. So that happened on November 10th. On November 14th, the Princeton again detected an AAV around 11 a.m. and called in 2 fa F-18 Hornets that happened to be returning to the Nimitz from a training exercise. There was an E-2C Hawkeye surveillance plane also operating in the area that was attempting to contact this AAV on radar but only made intermittent contact and was unable to track it. The skies were clear and blue, with an unlimited visibility that day, and the sea was calm, according to the report. The first fighter jet to investigate was a U.S. Marine Corps single-seat seat, single fa 18 Flew within 5 to 10 nautical miles of the AAV's location, but he couldn't see it. Mm. Instead, he reported seeing a circular disturbance in the water about 50 to 100 meters in diameter. That's pretty big. Ooh. It reminded the pilot of something rapidly submerging in the ocean like a submarine so like if a submarine were to rapidly descend right. it would leave a disturbance in the water that's what he said it reminded him of the report hypothesized that it could be possible the disturbance was caused by the AAV but that the AAV was cloaked or invisible to the human eye oh so the marine pilot was called off after the controller said that a plane carrying ordnance was to respond which th- that that marine didn't have ordnance on his on his uh, aircraft so they were they called in an aircraft that did have ordnance because in case this was a in case so, it became aggressive. Sure, something that needed to be shot down. When he returned to the Nimitz, uh, the, the uh, Marine pilot was asked if he had seen the. They called quote supersonic Tic Tac. That's what they called it. Oh, or a suppository. Yeah. Again, supersonic suppository. The next, yeah. The next jet that responded was a Navy pilot. It was a Navy <laughs> pilot, uh, a commander David Fravor, and Lieutenant Commander Jim Straight Slate. Sorry, uh, they made they made visual contact with the AAV, and they have since publicly disclosed. Uh, that they are corroborating this report mm. so they basically came out and said this what we're going to talk about is so so they're
0: not trying to uh, keep these pilots from talking about what they what they no. saw that's right. good
1: so Fravor yeah. also spotted a disturbance in the water almost as if the water was boiling but this time hovering above the disturbance was a strange object they actually saw it oh. so the first guy just saw the disturbance of the water this guy actually saw um, an aircraft the object uh, object was shaped like an elongated egg or tic-tac and was holding like a Harrier, like the jump jet that can take off vertically. Yep. It was just sitting above the water. Um, it was described as a solid white, smooth, note with no edges, uniformly colored, with no nacelles, pylons, or wings. So no, 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 uh, normal aircraft. If you're right. gonna fly
0: in right. the Earth's, uh, you need something that's gonna give you lift. Yes, but it didn't appear. Didn't appear. That and there. no, normal, uh, you know, outward signs of propulsion either. Right. That's right. He described the exterior as <clears of> being. <throat>
1: Uh, like a hard, white, candy-coated shell, almost like a whiteboard. So like a like a glossy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, white. When he attempted to make a close pass of the object to attempt visual recognition, the object appeared to react, realigning its axis to point at the approaching plane. So basically it turned to look at him, essentially. Then it ascended quickly and departed at supersonic speeds wh- way up into the atmosphere, and then mm. lost it. So what the hell was that? <laughs> you, have multi- you have... Now you have... Not only do you have... um radar contact which you know radar contact you could say all right it, it, maybe it's a flock of birds right. or something that is they misidentified or maybe it's a it's a false hit or whatever they, they have visual on this they got visual people they they have multiple radar hits from multiple uh, platforms they have multiple people who saw disturbances in the water and who saw a craft hovering over the water and then go off into the atmosphere so again this is probably one of the most compelling uh, encounters that I've encountered
0: i've I've seen is the there research. any video evidence today were they able to record any of this
1: well there is there is some there is a a kind of a grainy um, uh, heads up display video mm. of something you can't really tell what it is right uh, that they seem to be tracking I'm not quite sure you know just looking I'm not an expert at, at, at heads up displays or what we're actually looking at but you can look this up um, and you can see this video for yourself it's 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 bizarre looking is what it is. In um, the can, pilot, do you, do you hear the pilots'
0: reactions to what they're yeah? They're you can preserving? hear yeah. You can hear oh.
1: you can hear like the kind of back and forth between the pilots and the control about what sure. what it is. Um, no, I don't think anyone. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anyone goes, "Hey, it's a UFO or it's an alien or anything." Nobody says anything like that. And,
0: yeah, and this happened back in 04, and we're just yep. hearing about it now. Yep. Okay, so that's that's quite some time. Yeah. So that stuff could be happening right now. We're not going to find out about for 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 a while.
1: No, but however, people for years have been saying that there were underwater bases for UFOs. Yeah, right? Yeah,
0: USOs, right?
1: Yeah, under, under, underwater submerged objects, or whatever the heck they call it. Yeah. Unknown submerged object. And that maybe this was us catching a vehicle either arriving or departing one of these bases. Mm. So the Earth is covered with water, and as we talked about in the show before, much of it is unexplored, especially at the, the larger depth, of, yeah. uh, the, the deeper depths, I should say. And off the coast of California and Mexico, you know that the ocean is very, very deep. Who knows what the hell could be operating under there? And this may have been, like I said, somebody
0: catching something landing or... or, or Going out, you know, it was a great movie. Uh, late, I think, late '80s, early '90s, maybe. What's that? With Ed Harris, the movie The Abyss. Oh, The Abyss, yes, with oh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. What a great movie that was. You know, and it really gets you thinking. It's one of those movies that makes you makes you stop and wonder. Uh it and was they a really, good movie. They really tap into something there. Yeah, and it's it's kind of that same thing, like the idea that that we that there's intelligent beings under the under the ocean, right? Uh, and who knows? And and no, nothing says honestly nothing about this says that this
1: is extraterrestrial. It could be. Anything. It could be uh, creatures that live
0: in the water. It could be uh, advanced civilization that lives under there. Maybe they're maybe they're native, or organic to right. the planet. Exactly. Uh, and we just don't understand them. That that could be. Who knows? Kind of like you. Uh, how we don't understand you. Nobody understands. You're like me. the mountain gorilla that we never knew about existed true. until recently. That's true. That's right. We, we, you know, we really don't know a lot. Do you want to talk about your UFO encounter?
1: You know what? Let me just briefly talk about it because I haven't. I don't think I've done, I haven't discussed this on the program, and I've only told a few people in my life about this. Not that it's. It's not like a hugely compelling encounter, but it is something that that I did witness along with several other people, um, and it happened in around in uh, 1999. Uh, I was stationed at 29 Palms uh, Marine Corps Base, which. Uh, Some of you who listen to this program have been in the military. Hopefully, none of you have ever been to 29 Palms because there's nothing to do there. Where the women instinctively flock like the salmon of the Capistrano. That's right. And there's way more than 29 palm trees there. But there's very little else. It's like in the middle of the Mojave Desert, essentially. It's about an hour north of Palm Springs. And uh, anyway, so myself and several other Marines were uh, returning to base one night. and We had not been drinking. I I assure you of that, which is rare for us. Uh, But we were coming back to the base, and it was probably like around 8 or 9 o'clock at night. It was dark. And uh, behind 29 Palms Marine Corps Base, there's a mountain range. I forget the name of the mountains, but the, it's a significant mountain range. Um, and s- hovering over the mountains behind the base, not exactly over it, but behind it, uh, we all saw this bright white light in the sky, um, which is not entirely unusual over military bases to see lights. You know, there's always missions going on. Or it's the train, Bullion Mountains. The bullion, Thank you. Yes, yes, that's right. It's the Bullion Mountains. And, um, you, you know, you'd see lights in the sky on occasion, especially at night. Sometimes you would even see um, in the training areas out there. And we did a lot of patrolling military police officers. We patrolled at the training areas sometimes just to make sure nobody was out there. So we were familiar with seeing uh, jets in the air, helicopters. Sometimes they would drop flares. Sometimes they would drop ordnance. There was a live fire area around there. So it was not unusual to see, um, you know, aircraft in the sky. and We could pretty easily identify them. This was a bright light, bright white light that was not moving. It was just sitting right over the mountains, which is weird. You would normally see something moving, or else it would fall.
0: Mm.
1: So we're just looking at it. Everybody's, You know, I remember somebody saying, hey, what's that? We just looked at it for, for a couple of minutes. And then all of a sudden, out of the bright white light, a smaller white light came out of it, went down, straight down to the ground, uh, ostensibly behind the mountains because we couldn't see it hit the ground, went behind the mountains, then went right back up into the
0: white light and then disappeared oh so it was like it was like giving birth yeah either ga-
1: either gave birth or dropped something off or pick something yeah, up maybe who- that's like it's like this little uh, uh shuttle who knows what the hell it was but we all saw it there was probably four or five of us in the vehicle at the time mm. we saw it nobody ever mentioned it again you know we didn't think to tell anyone because like you said before what are you gonna do you're gonna tell your boss um you're gonna tell your your uh uh, your squad leader or your sergeant or whatever that what you saw you'd probably get pulled off of uh, whatever you'd duty. yeah you'd get in trouble so we didn't say anything um but that's you know it, it i don't know what it was it, there could have been an explanation for it. it it could have been some sort of aircraft that i just wasn't familiar with
0: mm. um but i don't know and, and i haven't seen anything like that before or since well that's interesting uh you know I, th- I just I think just the fact that something came off of it and then went back up again, right? Exactly, is uh, is quite interesting. Yes. Um, so I, I personally have never seen anything uh, like that or or even close to that. Um, but I, I I I hope for the day that I get to see something quite as extraordinary as some of the sightings that have been have taken place, um, you know, across the planet over the course of time and. You, you, you get to the point where you just can't dismiss it anymore you know right. you're not uh, you're not no. billy bob rubeck from uh, enough people have seen things down in alabama way sure
1: enough people have seen things that that there're obviously there's something to it what what that something is i'm just not sure mm. so hopefully we've spurred some uh, imagination and some discussion you can take uh to your barbecues this weekend mm. and then as you said if you wouldn't have been talking about ufo's to to whoever that you're uh your friend was there, the, the the elderly couple or older couple, I should yeah. say. Um, they wouldn't have said anything to you. Definitely not. So, you know, who knows? You, you know, I find that a lot of times when you start talking about things, people are more apt to bring it up.
0: Right. And you learn more about things. So I think what we're going to do uh, next week uh, or next program, I should say, whenever that comes up, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. And we need the help of all the listeners out there. Okay. So we're soliciting show ideas, but we want to do like a quick hits program. So we want to get like... Uh, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, paranormal-related. It can be anything anything you can think of. Mm-hmm. And you want to hear Mike and Jay... Discuss it. ...talk about it uh, spontaneously. We're not even going to do any research. <laughs> Seriously, what we'll do is we'll just open up the uh, the email, and we'll go over the the, uh, the show suggestions... That's a good idea. ...and talk about them as they come up. That's and, a great idea. And see if we can uh, have a debate or talk about but them intelligently. in order for that to work, you're going to have to send us an email... That's right. So go to The Eon Project, that's
1: T-H-E-E-O-N Project at yahoo.com. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter and on Facebook. Mm. Drop us a message. We will read it on the air. We'll give you credit for the idea. And uh, hopefully that will spur some uh, some interesting show ideas.
0: That's right. Anything else to add today, sir?
1: That's all I got, man.
0: All right. See you later, uh, Boo Laws. <laughs> Whatever his name was. All right. Until next time, just remember, the truth exists. Believe it.